today's scripture is 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 24, and it can be found on uh, 205 in your pew Bible. But we appeal to you, brothers and sisters, to respect those who labor among you and have charge of you in the Lord and admonish you. Esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourself, and we urge you, beloved, to admonish the idlers, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all of them. See that none of you repay evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise the words of prophets, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do this. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Barbara. Join with me in prayer. Loving God, it is a day, a week, a season of giving thanks. And it just feels good to be given permission to do so without holding back, without mitigating our praise, with the ability just to be in front of you and revel in the moment. So let us feel your spirit in our midst. Let us feel your love deep in our heart. And let us so open to you in this moment, receive all the grace that you can give, all the joy that you can raise in us, and all the hope we can live out in the days to come. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Don't you just love Thanksgiving? When I was looking at what we were going to do on this Sunday, I decided I wanted it to be a Thanksgiving Sunday. I wanted to sing, come ye thankful people, come. You've got to do it on Thanksgiving Sunday, don't you think? I was so thrilled to hear the choir anthem, what it was, and of course to be able to hear it. I just wanted a Sunday of thankfulness because I love Thanksgiving. What can be better? The idea of Thanksgiving is amazing. You get together with people you usually or mostly like, <laughs> and you eat, and you don't have to buy anybody a present. What a great holiday. <laughs> I love Thanksgiving, and I'm really looking forward to it this, this Thursday um, because of our situation with Laura being in North Carolina taking care of her mom. I'm going to go up to my mom and dad's, which means we're going to go out to eat on Thanksgiving which is cool. That's fine. That's cool. No dishes to clean up later, right? And then I'll come home Thursday night probably and cook Thanksgiving dinner because you got to have leftover turkey on Friday. It's just the deal, right? You have to. And I'm really looking forward to it because right now there's an awful lot in, in, in my life to be able to give thanks for. When you walk into Thanksgiving feeling thankful, you, man, you're good to go. But what if you're not? What if you're not ready to launch into Thanksgiving because maybe things haven't been the best for you, or maybe there is more disharmony around your Thanksgiving table this year than perhaps in other years? What about that? 
Well, the Scripture tells us what about that. It says to rejoice. Rejoice always in all circumstances and give thanks. Whenever I read passages like that in Scripture, there's a part of me which pauses. A part of me which says, there are times when this faith asks me to take the brain out of my head. Can I really give thanks in all circumstances? Is that realistic? Do I even want to be that kind of Christian? I can walk through the difficult moments of life, the tragedies in the world, and, and go, la, 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 thank you, God, even though everything around me is painful and hurting. The contrast today is simple. If you are Clarkston Wolf, you rejoice constantly today. Amen? No shopping next Saturday for me. Ford Field, here we come. If you're a Montrose fighting ram, you lost by one point yesterday to Ithaca. Yes. Don't clap at that. (laughs) Who did that? Wait a minute. If today you are a Spartan, rejoice in all circumstances. If you are a Wolverine, Mike Mayo-Moyle, who was raised in the great state of Iowa, is going home this week, and he's taking Amy and the kids with him for a week-long history lesson as to why Iowa is superior to Michigan. God bless you. See, sometimes it's easy to give thanks, sometimes not. You come to this passage and you go, well, I think we rationalize in our head, well, God wants us to be able to do that when we can. But unfortunately, that's not what the Scripture says. It says rejoice in all circumstances, in every situation, at all times. How do you do that? Well, the writer of this letter, Paul, one of the first writings in the New Testament we have, by the way, is writing to a church in Thessalonica that had just recently been started, hadn't been in existence very long. These people had not been walking with the Lord hardly at all. They were an infancy church, and they already were getting lambasted by their neighbors as to the way they were believing and what they were doing, and they were under a great deal of persecution. And so Paul writes the letter to them to give them encouragement. He says to them, I want you to give thanks in all circumstances to a people he knows who are in the struggle, who are at battle. And what he's doing is suggesting what we've come to understand in faith, that oftentimes how we get to rejoicing in the way we think is a flawed process. See, how you get to rejoicing as a Christian is not based on what I have, but who I am with and who I am. I rejoice in all circumstances because I know this key truth. I'm a child of God, of the living God. And even in the moment of my trials, in the given moments, God is with me. It even predates Christianity. The Jewish heritage on which we stand has this as a core belief. Abraham Herschel, a great rabbi theologian of the 20th century, wrote this way, Joy is not a theological category in the teachings of most religions, and it is never discussed in the handbooks of theology. But those who are overwhelmed by spiritual solemnity and are unable to forget that faith lies in a constant state of tension between death and eternal life find it difficult to comprehend the Jewish concept of joy. But within Judaism, the teaching that joy lies at the very heart of worship, that it is a prerequisite for piety, 
Well, that's a scandal to the dullards and a stumbling block to the bigots. See, rejoicing for us from our Jewish heritage through our Christian heritage is called to be a way in which we stand in all world situations. It's not a feeling. It's a reality and experience and manifestation of overflowing gladness from the realization that I am loved unconditionally, eternally, and in all moments and in all times. It is not simply an emotional state in which I feel. It is an action by which I live. God invited us into this world to live in joy. God intended all along for creation to be a joyful explosion of love and grace and fellowship. That's what life is called to be. That's what Paul is writing about here. He's reminding the church of Thessalonica it's not about whether today's a good day or bad day. It's about whether the God you experience is a real, living, powerful God giving you grace and hope in all circumstances, leading you out of difficult moments into moments of joy and blessing and sustaining you in the good days. So that today we are able to stand and give celebration and voice regardless of the specific moments of our life here in this day or tomorrow. The other thing that um, Abram Heschel said was this. I love this quote. Our goal should be to live life in radical amazement. To get up in the morning, every morning, and look at the world in a way that takes nothing for granted. Everything is phenomenal. Everything is incredible. Never treat life casually. To be spiritual is to be amazed. Every day is a chance to live in wonder and amazement. All too often, the difficult moments of life distract us from the amazing and lock us on only to a small part of what's really going on all around us. At the core of our lives, we're called to live each day in celebration and rejoicing because we know this gift of God. I want to suggest to you that the greatest sin of our existence is the breaking down and the euthanizing of wonder and amazement and joy in the world. We've allowed ourselves, amazingly so to me, to become bored in the middle of cosmic miracles. How can you be bored in this life? How can you sit around and go, I just have nothing to inspire me? Anybody have a teenager at home who's bored? I know I'm getting old. I know I'm getting irrelevant. But can we outlaw every electronic device for four days and send the kids out to play? I could be amazed living in Montrose. Because you found delight in the places you were and the people you were with. And God was popping things all around us all the time. And we were able to discover that joy and wonder. We have taken the ability to find wonder and joy out of the routine and normal. But that's where it is, my friends. That's where we discover it. And if there are other things going on in the world and in our personal lives that are not wonderful, then we need to acknowledge them and yet discover and claim the places where God is still blessing us, even if that blessing is just the fact you have another day. We've made a game of thanksgiving to our own peril 
and in violation of our faith. We've come to believe that Thanksgiving has something to do with counting our blessings. And it's a competitive game. Do I have more blessings than I had last year? Do I have more blessings than you? Do I have the blessings that I wish I could have, or will I have them soon enough I can vicariously be happy in the fact that they're coming? What this game does, it leads us to greed and gluttony and anxiety and boredom and a very fragile sense of self-worth because if those blessings are taken away, we somehow think our gladness is gone. The truth that some of us have discovered is that no matter the number of our blessings, despair can still find us. Our things, whether those things are objects or relationships, are not enough to make us able to rejoice in all things. That ability comes only from God and from placing our center and our hope in our relationship with God. You see, rejoicing, rejoicing the way Paul's talking about it here, requires no math skills. You don't have to count anything. Rejoicing always is living in the presence of this living God, while at the same time not being blind to the painful parts of life. In our despair, God expects us to cry. In our loss, we are going to grieve. In our fears, we can become scared. Christians have never been asked to walk around this world rejoicing like reality-defined, Botox, faith-faced fools incapable of real emotion. Plastic hearts and lives and dulled minds have nothing to do with rejoicing. Rejoicing always is to know that in all things God is present. God is present in ways that we cannot always explain, understand, or see. But faith-filled lives lived over time make us eventually aware of the rhythm of God. We become aware, often in hindsight, where God was in the dark nights of our lives. And that knowledge, once gained, allows us in other dark nights to be confident that God is there even when we can't feel or discover God. That awareness allows us to know that even in the moments when we are not sure with the actual reality around us, we're confident in our heart that God exists and we can praise always. But that's also where the community of faith is critical. You know why it's so important for us to be here today? So we can praise together. And those of you who are ready to praise can praise it out. And those of you who are not quite so sure can get carried along. That's what it's intended to be. On the Sundays when I cannot find a song in my heart to sing, I pray for a choir of believers to wash their anthems over me and sing the hymn of praise to carry me to a place of holiness. Do you understand? On the days in which I do not know how to pray, I cannot find the strength or the words or the spirit to do it, then I pray for brothers and sisters to lay their hands on me physically and from afar in a petitionary prayer to hold me up in the grace of Christ until the day that I'm healed and brought back into the wholeness where I can pray without ceasing. When I cannot serve anymore, because of the brokenness of my life or whatever circumstance, let me be part of a community that lets me be on the sidelines recuperating while they continue to serve in the world and be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. 
Because of that, I can rejoice always. Rejoice. Can we rejoice always today in the Philippines? Can we rejoice always today in the hospitals and the wards and the nursing homes and the jails, in the homes of violence and the relationships void of love? The answer is yes, and we must, because our rejoicing may look more like acts of compassion and justice and transformation. It's not about just standing there. When I get the image of rejoicing, you know what my first thought is? Snoopy dancing. You had that picture in your head on these tippy toes, you know, just dancing. That's my image of rejoicing, but I've come to discover rejoicing is not necessarily tippy toe dancing. It's people holding hands of folks whose lives have been destroyed by typhoon. It's the church giving food and medical assistance to people who don't know what tomorrow will be. It's the witness of the church walking into those homes void of love and offering a gospel love, and it is the church standing up in a stance of justice, demanding reconciliation and rightness to be done because it is the way of God and it is the kingdom we are called to help create. Rejoicing can be a dance, but it can also be dirty hands and sweaty hugs. Rejoicing can be listening ears and silent prayer. Rejoicing always can be acts of giving and labor leading to new birth of possibilities. I totally believe rejoicing can be silliness. God bless silliness. But it can also be acts of radical defiance, telling fear to go back to hell, standing up to violence with holy peace, and shouting over grief to say it will not have the last word. In the Gospel of Matthew, after he has been betrayed, beaten, humiliated, and crucified, after he's been thrown in the grave and counted as dead, after everything is counted as over, on that first Easter morning, Jesus comes up out of the grave, and on that dawn, when darkness was struggling to not let the light in, on that dawn, when death was still trying to act like it had power, Jesus came out and saw the women in front of him. And you know what he said? He did not say shalom, which was the traditional greeting of peace. He said rejoice. Rejoice today on this day because this is the day that tells us in every circumstance and in every day from this moment through all of eternity, the action of the people of faith is to rejoice always in all circumstances because Easter is true, Christ is alive, we are claimed, life has its blessing and will guide us to a place of holy community in the name of Jesus Christ. So rejoice. I hope this Thanksgiving, at some point, somebody at your table laughs enough for the milk to come out of their nose. (laughs) I hope that at this Thanksgiving, somebody gets silly enough to do something so idiotic that it will be talked about next Thanksgiving. I hope at your Thanksgiving table this year, there will be laughter, there will be joy. And there will be celebration because that's worship. And the name of Jesus Christ, this Thanksgiving, beginning now, I invite you to know the freedom you have to rejoice always in all circumstances for you are the claimed child of God who has blessed you and will continue to bless you Give God thanks and praise. 
and in all things rejoice. Amen. <laughs> we will rejoice at our Thanksgiving table because we have a 16-month-old who thinks everything is funny. So, I hope that God has put joy in your hearts this morning, that this message has resounded in your souls, and that you will thank God with this morning's offering. Will the ushers please come forward?
We have met you today in song, in prayer, in scripture, and we rejoice. We dedicate these offerings so that you and us can take this out into the world and show the world the power of your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Our closing hymn is number 102. This is a day that God has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And may your rejoicing become so contagious the rest of the world begins to laugh and worship with you. Go in the name of Christ and happy Thanksgiving. Amen.